good morning. You're welcome along. Gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Porrick, good morning good to morning. you. Good morning, good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. You have arrived uh, in full colour today <laughs> because I suspect, hmm. are we talking about flowering are plants? We sure are. Not only is there colour, there's great smell. I'm getting the real smell. Scent, I think, is it the, is it the scent of the carnations it that is, are in front of is, me? Perhaps that's kind of hitting me a little bit. But yeah, fantastic. But before we start, mm. I, I was actually down in the garden centre uh, yesterday evening and uh, met two young people, Aaron and Casey from Westport, and they were there in with their with their grandma, uh, and they were actually getting some nesting boxes, which I thought was a lovely, oh, lovely. and lovely tie-in with, with uh, the kids getting the nesting boxes that were going home that evening to put them up. This is the time of year, of course, when birds are nesting. And, you know, that whole circle of life uh, idea with children and, mm. and getting them interested in nature and getting interested in the birds are nesting at this time of year. So I thought it was a lovely tie in from uh, the adult teaching the, the children about uh, that whole circle of life and, and in particular birds nesting. And then, of course, the kids are going to be, Aaron and Casey are going to be looking for the little hatchings later on in June and July and, and all of that good thing that, uh, and of course, feeding the birds later on in the year. So I said I'd say hello to them. So that's Aaron and Casey. Um, I met them at the, just at the tiller there, they were on their way out and uh, of course their grandma said, that's the fat on the radio. <laughs> and these two blank spotted. faces, these two blank faces looking at me. So well, I said, good morning say, to both of you. Say hello, hello to them today and good luck with the nesting boxes. But yeah, it's it's uh, summer colour. You know, I was again looking at the beautiful plants just coming into flower and uh, of course May is a really good time of year for getting that in- little bit of instant colour and very conscious of people having confirmations, mm-hmm. communions. Gosh, and, and I don't know if you were listening to the requests earlier, but there's a huge number of confirmations so people are look, today, yeah. they're looking to dress up some pots and containers and really this is the time of year in early summer before the bedding plants that are typical petunias and geraniums come into flower this is the time of year where there's quite a lot of hardy plants that will tolerate the bit of cold weather that we're having at the moment and um, but are still adding a lot of colour and the dianthus these beautiful dwarf carnations really caught my eye they're mm-hmm. scented fully double they're just starting to flower now look at the amount of flower buds that are on that I know plant. it's just going to be spectacular altogether. and this is a range called adorables they're dwarf <laughs> carnations um, dianthus family they're only about 8 inches in height very very sturdy so they're a great plant in a windy area or say a seaside area or for pots and exposed areas but fantastic colours that's a lovely red variety but they come in yellows and in pink and whites and all sorts of different shades. We're often asked about plants for exposed areas and for for graves in particular. We often get that question Yes, we do indeed. And I thought this plant in particular, this is a plant called Gazinia. Um, It's an unusual plant in that it's extremely hardy. It's a Mediterranean plant, but it's hardy here, particularly for our summers. It's a very, just touch the foliage there. I'm looking at it because it almost looks like it's an evergreen type plant, uh, the actual foliage end of it. Really sturdy, very succulent, very low growing. It'll only grow to about four inches in height, but it's got those fantastic orange. They're the colour of an orange, of a fruit orange. Big daisy like Very vibrant altogether, yeah. Really great plant. It's actually a plant that likes... uh, poor soils, free draining soil, that kind of gritty soil. Mm. So particularly suitable for areas where we're not going to be constantly watering, you know, where, where a plant maybe have to be left to grow on its own devices. And I thought very suitable for rockeries, exposed areas, seaside areas, or if you just want to dress up, put a, put a couple of plants to decorate a grave, that's a really good plant. So it's a plant called Gazinia. And uh, there isn't a common name for it. It's Gazinia is the botanical name uh, and the common name. But a really super plant. It does very well in sunny. It needs the sun. So it needs a bright, open okay, area. Cause the bright. Fl- because the, the flowers are quite sizable for the size of the plant itself. They are. And, yeah. and they're semi, see how they're semi-closed there? Mm-hmm. They're not fully closed, but they're semi-closed. So as soon as the sun 
come, the heat comes onto the flower, it fully opens. So it actually doubles its size when it's when it gets a bit of sunshine right, yes, on it. That one there now. Is, see how it's kind it, of closing up a bit. Yeah, yeah. But a lovely plant, really easy to grow. You can see the amount of flower buds yeah, that are on it. Yeah, quite a few as well. It's giving colour now. It's totally frost hardy at this time of year, and um, you put that on a in, in a border. It's going to flower right up to September or October of this year. So it's a really easy plant, particularly where the soil mightn't be. Uh, you know, particularly good. Um, it really likes that kind of sandy, gritty, natured soil, and it will flower the whole summer long. For okay, you. and then does it overwinter or? It it, it it depends on how cold the winter gets. Okay. To be honest, it's a bit like lavender. If we get a very wet winter, you can lose the plant. Right. But so it's more the wetness in Ireland that kills off gazinias than. than the so coldness. it is it is a perennial. Right. But in in Ireland, if the soil is too heavy or too wet, it tends. So that's why it's so suitable in sandy, gravelly that type of rockery type situation or a grave situation. So it's quite a nice little plant. Sticking to the kind of daisy theme, I thought these agaranthemums um, are lovely. These are in the chrysanthemum family, but they Mm -hmm. flower early. Most chrysanthemums flower late summer, autumn, winter period. These are just, these are the agaranthemum, big long name, of course. Paris daisy is is the common name. Paris daisy. Paris daisy, a little bit easier to remember. Small bit. But it's like, it's that lovely daisy-like flower. So this is a pink variety, nice large pink flower with a yellow centre. They come in shades of reds and shades of white, shades of yellow. Um, But a great plant again for a bit of early colour now in May and again it will flower right through until September, October. So Mm. you're getting colour the whole way along. See again the amount of flower buds it's producing. So as long as it gets a liquid feed and you deadhead the old flowers on a regular basis, really cracking plant. I actually plant it um, and I was admiring it during the week I have to say. I planted up the TV3 garden about two weeks ago Uh and uh, Alan was doing the weather there one of the mornings and you could see the plants in the background so if you're watching TV3 or Island AM over the next couple of uh, weeks you'll see the agaranthemums in flower in the garden and they will stay in bloom right through till September. So a cracking plant, really easy one to grow. Um, Again, suitable for pots or borders if you just want to put a splash of colour somewhere. Mm -hmm. And again the old osteospernums, these are um, the Sunnies, great plant again for a sunny area for a rockery or border. That's a yellow variety. Um, it's got a lovely blue centre and it's called, the actual name of the variety is called Blue Eyed Beauty. So it's got that <laughs> blue eyed centre. Um, so an easier name to remember. Osteospernum Blue Eyed Beauty. It's a really nice one. Again, a whole, whole range whole of different yeah. colours. But, the, but very pretty as well. Yeah. The other plant I brought in was, I saw it again, it's available at the moment, is the, our old friend, the um, Eau de Cologne Mint. Yes. And this is the mint variety that is very good for deterring flies in particular. So it was used, eau de cologne, as, as you can imagine, it, it, it's, um, it was used originally to produce natural perfumes and it has that very kind of perfumed uh, foliage, but it's also very good. You'll find it extremely good if you put it on a windowsill or, or in a window box to keep the midges and flies away. Um, and you just crush the foliage right. and you get that yeah. lovely scent from it. And the other plant, oh, the last the, oh, plant right. I brought in... That looks like a tomato. It is. But this is a, a, a variety called a grafted tomato plant. So oh. if you want a variety that's very, very easy to grow, that's very vigorous, that produces a lot of fruit, look for this one. So it literally is, it's called grafted and it comes in a cherry tomato and it comes in the full round tomato. And what it means is that it's like an apple tree, it's been grafted onto a more vigorous rootstock. So you'll see the little bump right down there at the end, oh, just up where the yes, soil yes, is. Yes, yeah. That's where the grafting has occurred. And you can see how vigorous, it's a quite a fast growing uh, variety. So if you find tomato plants a little bit tricky yeah. or um, you're just starting out and want to try a couple of tomato plants, look for these. These are the grafted tomato and plants. And is that particular one now, is that like a one? what I would call a regular sized tomato or are we talking cherry. about cherry? Cherry. Right. And on this particular plant, it would produce per truss of tomato maybe 25 to 30 fruits. Okay. So it produces. These are. This is the way they grow them commercially. They graft the 
stem onto the rootstock because they want a more vigorous... And they have a better return, obviously. A far better return mm. for the same space. So they're available at the moment. Look for them. They're well worth growing. I generally grow these every year, particularly the cherry ones. I, they produce hundreds of fruit. You'll over... Wow. So you'll <laughs> yeah. be wondering, what am I going There'll to do with all these There'll be lots of chutneys tomatoes. and yeah. uh, all sorts of tomato <laughs> recipes coming forward in, in the autumn. But they do come in the full round uh, variety as well. Okay. But you'll see them available at the moment. They're a grafted tomato plant and fi- you'll find them very, very um, easy to grow. The other key thing, Deirdre, is you the... You plant um, it, basket planting with Yeah, yours. I mentioned it last week. This is the hanging basket season. People are planting up their hanging baskets at the moment. So we've decided to do a demo today in all the garden centres in Sligo, Galway and Castlebar um, at one o'clock and three o'clock. So if you're interested in, get, in looking at how to do hanging baskets, what plants to put in, I'll be covering kind of hints and tips in terms of pinching plants back, what sort of plants and recipes to use, mm. and also the importance of feeding and using um, different ingredients in the compost to get the best from your baskets. Now, what I would ask is for a couple of listeners to bring in a basket or two with you, and I'll actually do up one or two from the audience. <laughs> I stress one or two. So I'll use the audience baskets or containers Great. to actually plant them up rather than use my own. So if people, if they are coming along, bring your basket with you. I'll pick somebody from the audience and we'll uh, do up their basket and I'll pick appropriate plants for that. And maybe a couple of window boxes as well. Uh, but don't come with a trailer load. Bring one or two. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I'll do that. So that's kicking off today at one o'clock and again repeated at three o'clock in Turlock in Castlebar and um, the team in Sligo will be doing a demo and the team in Galway will do a demo as well. And really this is the time of year for planting up your hanging baskets and containers and window boxes and getting them ready for the season. Um, so get the plants in now really. Um, so that that's the kind of key thing. The weather has promised great, not, not so well, much today. Today is a bit mixed, but yeah. tomorrow is sounding very promising. We're talking, I think I said 20 degrees uh, there yeah. so uh, for the forecast. We are going to be seeing really yeah. very, very strong, significant growth. And into next week, the weather has promised really good as well. So if people haven't fed their shrubs, for example, do it now if you can this morning before that rain is promised because you're going to get significant growth next year so or next week. So particular things like laurels and roses and those more hungrier uh, trees and shrubs um, and hedging plants. If you put on something like a tree and shrub feed or Pro 6 now, the rain will wash that in and it will be available to plants then as we come into the very strong growth next week. Mm-hmm. Feeding lawns as well would be a good idea to put on some fertiliser now onto lawns before the rain comes. Get it washed in because the, the heat next week will actually bring up the lovely colour in it as well. So in terms of feeding plants, today will be actually a very good time before that rain comes. Right, so it'll get absorbed in. it get absorbed in because no point doing it on Monday morning when the, there's no rain okay. to wash it in. So it'd be ideal for feeding plants in particular, I would use the weather. The other thing I've noticed um, in a lot of gardens and on new plants, on new growth in particular, with a couple of good days we've had, we're beginning to see the green fly starting to appear. Right. So if you've got beech in your garden or if you've got rose in your garden, keep an eye out for, particularly on the young growth, some aphids, some green fly. They are certainly, they're relishing the good weather as we all are and of course they start to breed at this time of year so nipping them in the bud taking control of them now rather than leaving it as a problem later on also plants like gooseberries and they suffer from gooseberry sawfly which is a a small caterpillar that strips the foliage off your fruit tree of the gooseberries in particular so they would benefit from uh, um, an application of a a bug spray at this time of year so fruit in general blackcurrants gooseberries apple trees um, not when they're in flower obviously wait till the flowers go off them but then apply a, a treatment just to keep nipping the, the, the aphids now rather than letting them become a problem in June is really my advice because they breed so quickly and they produce live young 
So it's not, so it's, you know, they don't produce eggs as such. Right. They actually produce okay. live young. So the life so cycle is quite a short. Very, very, yeah, and very rapid. Okay. Very rapid. So, you know, over a week or 10 days, it's amazing the difference. You can have a plant that's one or two bugs on it and within and then, 10 days, bang. You've, particularly when we get the heat okay. that we're get experiencing. Now, look, at, there's no need to spray unless you see visible uh, aphids. And I think last week we had a question about um, somebody had plants that were sticky. We did indeed, yes. And that's a telltale sign where you see that kind of sticky substance right on the tips of plants, particularly roses, hebes, young growth in particular. Um, that's a, an indication that you've got some bug activity there. And if you eliminate it in the beginning, then it doesn't become a problem. Right. And there are treatments. Um, there's one called from Hygieia called bug spray, which it can be used very safely on vegetables. So if you have, say, for example, cabbage, coming to maturity or lettuce plants that you planted early coming to maturity you can use those right up to harvesting so they're quite safe they're, they're made from pyrethrum which is actually uh, a derivative from the chrysanthemum plant oh. so they actually take the natural, natural extracts from the chrysanthemum plant put it into a, a treatment that uh, controls the bugs very good so, so it's a it's a safe way of so that the chrysanthemum has that naturally built into it to so it's a bit like an antibody or as such. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the plant has built up this mm. natural defence against pests and uh, the the manufacturers have taken that ingredient, pyrethrum in particular, and put it in, into a treatment that is very safe to use, particularly on vegetables, anything that you're eating, vegetables, um, you know, herbs, yeah, anything yeah. like that, that uh, so that could be used. But look, keep it, I suppose my advice is keep just an keep an eye, eye on it because the weather certainly is beginning to, as it improves, you start to get the bugs coming around as well. And at night time, particularly if you're planting out, now for, uh, we had frost a couple of nights this week. We did, yeah, like I mean, I suppose I know we're looking at better temperatures now, but it has been cool enough. Yeah, and it can be, and we can still experience frost, mm. particularly as we get into high pressure next week. Um, so do keep an eye on tender bedding plants. Don't put those out yet. Things like marigolds, begonias, bisalises, that the, the plants I've mentioned this morning are fine. They're totally hardy. Mm. Or any of the hardy annuals are fine to go out. Pansies, violas, English marigolds, all that sort of thing, sweet peas. Yeah. But the more tender plants, keep them in just yet. You could lose them in one night. Right. Questions. Let's start with daffodils. No, sorry, tulips and gladioli. Yeah, bulbs. Similar, yeah, yes, well, yes, they're yes. not <laughs> similar, sort of. Uh, in that they have a bulb. Uh, for me, anyway, Amarie says they flower great the first year, but after that, not so good. Mm. What a feed should she put around them? And she also has a white lily planted. And okay. how do we deal with that? Yeah, and, and tulips and gladioli in particular are bulbs that you won't get a long season. You won't get many years out of. Um, so they tend to be best in their first and second year and tend to dwindle off after that. So you see them as short term uh, bulbs, really. Right. Things like daffodils, narcissi, bluebells, uh, snowdrops. Uh, dogged tooth violet cyclamen they're all good perennial bulbs that come back year after year and improve if anything year on year but things like gladioli and tulips you really treat them as short term if you get two seasons out of them that's really as much as you're going to get now having said that if you feed them particularly as they're dying back tulips are lovely at the moment they're given fantastic colour but as the flower goes off them if you start to liquid feed them with a tomato feed or something like Osmo Universal you'll build them up for next year but do see them as short term bulbs they're, they're never going to give you years of enjoyment um, in terms of the white lily if it's the arum lily mm. in terms of feeding it I would use a granulated feed so something like um, super grow would be fine or colour boost, any of those that would give them a boost and, and feed them on. You could feed now and again at the end of May, early June and that's enough to keep the RM Lily going. It's quite a vigorous bulb. Okay, now Tony has a yucca tree. It okay. has a 
grown since the frost. All right, uh, okay. How do we go about caring for it? Well, would it, that be outside? That yeah, well, there, there's indoor and outdoor yuccas. Right. Um, and they're lovely plants. They're they're um, kind of sword-like leaves, mm-hmm. uh, quite pointed leaves as well. It's one you have to kind of. Um, place in the garden very judiciously it's it's one you know it's got the spikes on literally like like right. needles yeah. on the top of the thing so for children or for or you even a, for yourself if exactly, you're exactly. gardening around so it you have to be careful where yeah. you place it let's yeah. put it that way but outdoor yuccas did dam were damaged by the frost and like many plants like cord lines they came back again they reshooted again really there's nothing to do it's just to feed the plant give it encourage it on now coax it on hope that we don't get the sort of <laughs> frost those temperatures again yeah, for a long but, time but there are outdoor yuccas the beautiful when they come into flower very very spectacular and um, really I would just give it some uh, tree and shrub feed okay. give it a feed now most plants this is the time to feed plants will come actively into growth now from next week on and they tend to grow vigorously up to the end of June so the main feeding time is May and wow. June after that plants are slowing down so from July, August onwards, plants are actually slowing down, toughening up for the winter and preparing them for the for, for winter weather. So the key time to feed them is May and June. So feed now, feed again in about five weeks' time and that's all you have to do with the yucca. Uh, I love my fuchsia plants, which okay. I have for many years. Great. Uh, they're so colourful all summer in pots, <clears throat> but is there anything to add to the soil to stop the green fly coming on the leaves? Okay, yeah, and green fly will attack not, not you know many, many plants, fuchsias and, and, uh, as well as geraniums and, and many others. The other thing that you can actually get with fuchsia, in, particularly in pots, mm. would be vine weevil. They love our fuchsias. Right. So to combat both, there's a, there's a treatment called Provado, which is um, an insecticide. It's a systemic insecticide which means it gets into the system of the plant and it works within the cells of the plant so one application covers the plant for three months so it's like giving yourself a, a jab uh, and uh, you know a, a, to give you something to, to protect yeah, against like a booster pets. a booster exactly against the flu or whatever um, so it actually protects the fuchsia from inside the plant so if you get some provado mix it with water pour it onto the compost or onto the foliage of the plant the plant will absorb it internally and then any pest that comes onto that any sap sucking pest like aphids or white fly mm. will be killed off so that'll keep it clean for up to three months and that'll really get you through the season so apply that now and um, oh. you're, you're good to go until certainly July or, or August. Now, uh, a listener has some roses. They've put farmyard manure around the roses last October. Right. And 10, 10, 20 manure <laughs> okay. on in March. My God. They're well fed. Are they're they well fed roses? The, they're jumping out of the ground. <laughs> the question is, do they need morphine no, now? No, 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 no. <laughs> and look at what you're giving them is, is high levels of nitrogen, yeah. which is going to, going to encourage lots of leafy soft growth, which our aphids are just going to love. Um, so look at, you've given them enough feed. Um, what I would actually do with them is pinch them back, take out literally two or three inches of the top shoots. So if the plants have made, say, a foot of growth, which they will have after all that feeding take about two inches of those that top growth pinch that back because you'll you'll spread the, the vigorous growth now into two or three stems and make a bushier plant and help to keep the overall height of the plant down keep it lower keep it bushier because other, the, the danger with having them too lush is that they fall over they just become too too um too leafy, too leafy and too soft yeah. and very susceptible and to the, pests and, and diseases. And the whole point is to try and have some flowers. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas the nitrogen encourages lots of leafy growth. Now, with the 10 and 20, there is a little bit, there's potash there as well, which will help to bring them into flower. So mm-hmm. look at, 
bottom line is they've got enough feed. What you do need to focus on now is some rose rescue in terms of keeping the bugs off them and keeping disease off them because they will be very prone to that now because of the soft growth. If you do want to put a little bit of feed on them later on, I would use just simply sulphate of potash on its own and you could apply that in June and July. That slows down the growth and it induces flowering in plants. So it's very good for flowering and fruiting plants, for apples, pears, plums, uh, plants that you want to encourage to flower and fruit. So you've done everything that you can. You've given them enough feed. And uh, really at this stage is keeping the bugs off them now. So use the rose rescue about every two weeks on the foliage to keep them clean and use the potash then in June or July. Now, a listener has started growing their own flowers, Snapdragon, okay. they tell us, in a yeah. tray on the window Lovely. covered with cling foam. They have appeared above the soil and they look very fragile. They're wondering how long do they leave them there before they transplant them on as the instructions are not very clear. Okay, that's why I'm here, is that That's it? why you're here. <laughs> so, Snapdragons are anthrioniums. They're a great old-fashioned uh, flowering plant. Lovely, really nice plant. And they are very delicate from seed. They're um, slow to germinate. And the other danger with them, if they're too wet, too moist, they keel over. Right. They get a, a, a disease called dampening off, which kills, kills them over. So the key thing, the listener's done everything right. Take off the cling film, keep them on the dry side. Now, that doesn't mean that they, you let them completely dry out, but don't let the compost get too wet until such time as the plants are certainly five or six inches in height. At that stage, you need to pinch them out. So take out the, the top shoot, literally just an inch with scissors or which are finger and, and thumbnail, just take the centre of them out and that'll encourage the anthraniums to bush, bush, become really bushy and strong. Okay. And they can be planted out of doors any time from the first week of June onwards. So look at, grow them on the windowsill, watch the watering, don't, don't be too generous with the watering, so maybe once a week keep them, give them a drink of water um, and then when they're about four or five inches high, take the top centre shoot out, that'll encourage them to branch and then plant them out of doors and they'll come into flower the middle of June and again flower right through to the end of the summer and anthraniums, if you cut them back around September, will often come through a second year because they're hardy annuals, they actually uh, the frost won't kill them so you'll often get a second or third year out of them by stopping them producing seed so when you see the old flowers begin to fade in September, cut them back and that'll encourage new growth and that'll generally carry through the winter, particularly the stronger colours, the reds and purples and uh, pinks will come through the winter very well. And they're actually nicer the second year. Sure. And they'll actually be in flower at this time of year next, next year. year. So they come into flower at least a month earlier. Um, so they're well worth growing. They're a real old cottage garden plant. It's a plant my grandmother actually used to sow. She'd sow the seed in September. And for have, the following year. For the, fo- for the for, yeah, for the following yeah, year. Yeah. So she'd sow in September, nurse them through the winter and then plant them out of this time. They'd nearly be in flower this time of year. So they're a lovely plant, anthrinium or snapdragon, very easy to grow um, and uh, well worth, well worth uh, looking after. Now, a listener planted up their baskets three weeks ago, right, well right. ahead. Uh, they've been put into the glass house. They're okay, all doing great, good. lots of new growth. So wondering, is it too early to place outside? It is, well, it is really. I would still keep them in until the weather improves a little bit more. Now, what I would do is any of the growth that they've made, take, go back to that yeah, pinching back, right, take right. out. And I'll be showing that today in the demo, how to pinch back the plants. It's very simple. Uh-huh. Um, but sometimes people find it difficult to get their head around and it. And yeah, I suppose people are always afraid they'll take off too much as well. Exactly. Like, you know, and that or the next w- thing is the basket will be ruined as a result. Exactly. Or they're worried that there might be a few flowers mm. and therefore, you know, should I be doing anything? So look, at my advice is to pinch out any of those long shoots because by 
printing them back, you're encouraging the plant to produce two or three new shoots and on those they're going to carry more flowers. So it's a way of increasing the amount of colour you're going to get from your basket. So keep them indoors, pinch back the shoots, continue to feed them. Feed them about once a week now mm-hmm. with a liquid feed and I wouldn't place them out of doors till probably the end of May. Give them another week or 10 yeah. days in in the greenhouse. You know, it'll be tempting next week with the good weather. Yeah. But, but you know, but if you get a windy, cold weather, it sets the, the whole thing, thing back. back. So you're better off to leave the baskets in a sh- uh, greenhouse situation. I mean, they've come on so well in three weeks um, because they're out yeah. of the wind chill. So you don't want to undo all the exactly, good work. Exactly, exactly. So continue to feed once a week, pinch back the shoots, leave them where they are, and then hang them up maybe. Even at the first week of June would be soon enough to put them out. Yeah. You'll gain nothing by planting, putting them outside now. And risk, um, and, and you and can risk, risk them actually going back. Yes. Yeah. Now, I think I see the knotweed you mentioned. I know mm. we talked about knotweed on the program last week. We did. Uh, so, listeners thinks they see it uh, growing in one spot of the garden. Um, it's they identify it as red shoots That's like it, bamboo. Yeah. yeah. Again, could, could you remind us how do we get rid of it or what's well, the treatment? Well, Japanese knotweed, and, and that's classic where, where it's growing in one spot because it, it um, if you remember what I said, it doesn't spread by seed. So it's not like typical weeds where they like daisies where you see them all over the, the garden because they're, they're spread by seed. The seed, the uh, the plants of Japanese knotweed are all female, so therefore they can't, they can't produce seed. Um, so it tends to grow in a clump in an area. Now, my advice really is to let it grow until July, wait till it comes into flower and at that time of year then treat it um, so you can put on something like SBK brushwood killer mm-hmm. um, or wheat free 360 any of those um, stronger weed killers will kill it off but it tends to be more susceptible to weed control at that time of year when it's actually in flower so let it grow the other thing you can do it has those bamboo like stems mm. so if you cut the stems say in about the end of May the first week of July and, and inject some of the treatment into, into the it. hollow stems that will kill them back as well so you can either do that or you can wait till July till the plant is fully grown in flower and more susceptible to taking in uh, a weak, weak control because it goes down right down to the roots it does then. whereas if you, if you hit it now you're only getting partial control you're only okay. knocking the plant back really so use SBK that's very good on all kind of tougher weeds like briars Japanese knotweed, mare's tail, all of those more persistent weeds. Now, we have a listener with some young cabbage and carrot plants growing nicely in their tunnel. They're so proud, they tell us in capital letters. Well done. They'd like to keep them pest-free, though. What do they need to do to ensure this? Well, the main thing you're going to find with with, uh, cabbage, I suppose, you can get aphids on them. You can get the the aphids we talked about uh, on the fuchsia and so on. Um, And you also get cabbage root fly. Uh, and carrot root fly and that's probably m- the main danger at this time of year so you can use a, a treatment called uh, EcoGuard which is an organic based treatment for vegetables it protects them against carrot root fly and cabbage root fly um, so look for that EcoGuard or it's often um, sold as root fly treatment or root fly root fly treatment I think from memory um, so it's, it's made by EcoGuard you can apply it at this time of year it controls both cabbage root fly it's also good for say cauliflower anything in the in the cabbage family radishes turnips anything like that that are affected by the, the root fly and also for carrot root fly you'll find it very effective 
of um, and any time from May onwards carrots can be susceptible yeah. to carrot root fly particularly in tunnels and greenhouses because they're up about six or eight inches probably at this time of, of year so put on that a root fly treatment it's made by EcoGuard and that will keep them clean and protected Okay and one more and again we're still with the aphids obviously oh very God. much the topic yeah. of yeah. the morning <clears throat> or at least some variation boxwood, well, boxwood hedge doing well but the listener notices that some of the leaves are going yellow and also a white midge type insect on the tips do they need yeah, to well, spray it? That's woolly aphid yeah. on, on boxwood you'll notice nearly all boxwood gets that so if you've got boxwood as a hedge or as topiary or as in a pot as a nice plant in the pot check it for that again telltale signs are the stickiness, the stickiness that you'll see the white aphid there if you rub your hand on it they'll actually come onto your hand so it's it's very evident whether you've got it but you can nearly take it that most boxwood plants get aphids on the new growth they're jumping on to the new growth now so you can use again um, the bug spray that I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the yellowing of the foliage is it sounds feeding. like boxwood blight which and there's a treatment called top box which is a, both a feed and a fungicide it's combined in both and you can mix mix that up in water and it apply it to the, bo- the boxwood plants and it greens them up but it also gets rid of the disease as well so if you've got yellow if the boxwood are yellow certainly give it the top box treatment we've talked about boxwood let's talk about cherry blossoms for a yes, second and they the my ones have just come in they're ah, gorgeous they're class this yeah. year and you know the cold weather that we're having is helping to keep the flowers on the, I, I was admiring them actually on the way up. Uh, somehow, I said four of them planted outside, yeah. and they were absolutely stunning. Prunus Kansan is the double pink cherry at the moment, but this cooler weather is actually holding the flowers longer. Right. You know how they can just blow off. Yeah, and because yeah. I, I was looking at it the other day and it was a bit breezy. I said, oh gosh, I hope that like you know that they last for they another hold. week or two yeah, anyway. Yeah, because yeah, they will. Just come in. They will. Uh, anyway, the crazy question is: a cherry blossom tree in my garden have it for twenty years. For the past few years, there haven't been that many blossoms on it. What could be the problem? It could. It sounds to me like it has a virus and cherries get can suffer from a, oh. a, a virus which actually weakens the plant. You, right. you know, typically what would, the symptoms would be the plant would be doing fine for many years and then start to uh, lose its vigour. The, fo- the foliage would be, would be green at this time of year but then turn to a kind of a paler yellow colour as we come into June and July, drop its foliage early and and stop flowering or, or slow down in terms of flowering. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you're better to replace the plant because once a virus gets into cherries, you cannot eradicate it. It's like a virus in our own bodies. And will it spread to other uh, trees uh, well, that have had a few in the vicinity? It's actually spread by, by aphids, aphids, by green fly. And that's one of the reasons of keeping green fly off your plants right. because they, they, they suck the protein out of plants. So they actually pierce the leaf. So in piercing the leaf, they're jumping from one leaf to another leaf to one tree to another leaf and they're spreading whatever virus is in, in, one, in one plant is obviously injected into another right. simply because they're feeding off. They use that method of feeding. Um, so, so where you have virus in cherry, I would replace the plant. And, and very typically what the listener is saying there, where it has started to fail in the last number of years, would be... Or the other thing that can affect it, it can enter if you, if you prune the uh, cherry at the wrong time of year. So if you tend to be pruned in wintertime, again, it opens up the cells for virus attack. So <clears throat> pruning of cherries is always done after flowering. Okay. So June is the time to prune them. So I would suggest possibly changing the tray. Okay, lovely stuff. Now, if you're looking for another cherry, one of the best varieties is a variety called Royal Burgundy. It's got the, the lovely double pink flowers that you see on Prunus Kansan at the moment, mm-hmm. but it's got the leaves, uh, a purple foliage leaf, the colour of a copper beech. So for the whole summer long when it's out of flower, it's got this fantastic 
Dillisk purple copper foliage. Right, so it's which not is really true, yeah, so you're not, because I know when the flowers mm. go, it is just a tree with it green It is a tree with green leaves, leaves yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look for that one, Royal Burgundy. This is a good time to plant them in the garden mm-hmm. now. So after the flower, so you have the double big, big pink flowers, but you also got the lovely purple foliage and it carries the foliage right through till September, October, and it goes a lovely autumn colour at that mm-hmm. time of year. So it's a really nice variety. It's a kind of a new, relatively new variety of cherry called Royal Burgundy. It still makes a nice big tree, not, not overly uh, you know, about 18 to 20 feet in height. Um, very spectacular in flower, but lovely foliage colour as well. Now, do you slip back the hyacinth flowers at the base of the flower when they die off, as you do with tulips and daffodils? Well, what you do is you just cut the old flowering stem. Don't cut the foliage. So with all bulbs at this time of year, it's important not to do anything with the foliage. So the same applies to daffodils, tulips, snowdrops. You allow them, if anything, the leaves actually get longer. Mm. The elongate as the flower finishes. Yeah, Yeah. Because the plant is photosynthesizing. It's producing energy through its leaves. So it's actually, it grows its leaves after flowering. So if we come along and chop off the leaves, then we're robbing it of its natural food source. So you'll always notice with daffodils, the leaves will get longer. Same with tulips, same with hyacinths at this time of year. So if you're doing anything, just literally remove the old flower stem and tighten them up and leave the foliage well enough alone. This is the time of year to feed bulbs. So you give them a liquid feed because all that energy is returning back into the bulb. So give them a couple of feeds of Osmo Universal or tomato feed, something that will actually build them up for next year. Now again, hyacinths would tend to be a short-lived bulb. Yeah. They're a bit like the tulip. So, so you might get two, two or three years. If you get two or three years, and they, they tend to diminish. You might plant 12 bulbs or 15 bulbs, 10 might come back next oh. year. And eventually you end up with, with okay. just some sprigs of leaves. So don't see them as a long-term uh, bulb. They're a short-term blast of colour, fantastic scent, but they're not going to be there forever. Okay. Uh, now, would, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, Give it would a go. Persicaria Affini Superba great mouthful isn't it isn't it just uh, be suitable for ground cover on a sloped area what else would you suggest want something for good ground cover and fast growing talk to us about Persicaria Phoenix well, Superba it's, as the name suggests it's superb okay. superba it's a very vigorous uh, ground covering plant it only grows in height about six inches um, the flowers when they emerge at this time of year or, or it'll be actually a bit later about June they come into bloom are pink in colour and they later turn to red so you end up in July and August with this lovely pattern of colour of pink and red flowers on the plant um, the, gra- the, the foliage spreads like a carpet Ooh, right. and so if by planting say a small plant now within three or four years it will spread to two metres diameter and it actually roots as it's growing along the ground so it grows on the surface of the soil it's a bit like the old strawberry for example it is yeah but but uh, it forms more of a mat right. of foliage with pink flowers so it's it's perfect for a large sloper bank in a small bed it becomes a weed because it smothers everything. Right. So it's the type of plant that you, it's perfect on a bank, a slope, an area that you want to cover quickly. Um, so putting in five or six plants will cover maybe 10 metres by six metres of a, of a spread and it'll mash in together. And it's actually a great plant. In wintertime it goes brown and the leaves die off it and then yeah. it comes back again in the spring. It's a great plant to underplant with spring bulbs. So if you underplant it, I would say with Narcissi or snowdrops or bluebells, they would come, come up, up through it before the Persicaria comes into flower. So it's a super plant for a bank, a slope. If I had a bank, say, going down to a river, mm. that's where I'd plant it. Or a front bank that difficult to mow, get rid of the grass, plant the Persicaria in there, and it'll just spread across the, the whole face of the, the bed. So it can become a weed in a small bed, 
but it's a fantastic ground covering plant in a large bed. Okay, so plant Re- judiciously then, really. Yeah, be careful where you plant it. But there are plenty of other good, vigorous mm. ground covering plants. A juga would be another really good plant, um, loved by the bees. Again, it spreads a bit like the persicaria at roots as it go- goes along the ground, and it comes into flower blue and purple flowers, uh, which will come into flower in June and July. But look, there's loads of vincas would be another range of plants which again have the similar type of habit. So if you've got a bank, and generally speaking, when you're planting up a bank, you plant up an area with maybe five or six of the same variety of plants. So put five or six of the persicaria together and then plant the ajuga, five or six of them beside it and so on as you're going along the bed. Flower carpet roses could be used. There's a ground covering ceanotus um, which is the blue lilac. Mm-hmm. Again, very vigorous, very fast growing, spreads horizontally across the ground. Fantastic blue flowers in the summer, nice dark green foliage in the winter. So there's a whole range of, of good vigorous um Ground ground plants, but plant them in clusters together so that they mat in together and form a kind of unified splash of colour for you. Now, um, I'd like to plant some long-stemmed flowers to use as cut flowers for the summer. What's good? Well, there's so many great <laughs> plants. I mean, um, what comes to my mind for cutting will be things like sweet peas, which are great. You plant them now, they're going to yeah. flower the whole summer long and fantastic cutting plant. Dahlias, again, you can still plant the tubers of dahlias now and they'll come into flower about the end of June, July, August, September, right up to November, they'll continue to flower. You've got all the cottage garden plants. Um, Verbena barbarniensis bar- is a really nice plant. Boraniensis. Lovely plant. It's a great plant again for bees. It's got long stems, three feet high, lovely purple flowers in the summertime. Again, it's a perennial, um, really nice cut flower. You've got the lupins, which are going to be coming into flower very mm-hmm. shortly. Uh, peony roses, which are literally going to come yeah. into flower very shortly as well. Um, so there's the foxgloves, the digi- digitalis, they can be planted this time of year and they'll flower this year. So any of the cottage garden plants would be ideal, producing long stems, sweet peas, uh, dahlias, the gladioli that we mentioned earlier. There's lots of great plants, really. <coughs> very good. Uh, now, I still have some seed potatoes and vegetable plants and I got them in April. Okay. Um, right, so, okay. <clears throat> yet to plant them. <clears throat> yeah. They all look healthy. Is it still okay to plant outside? Oh, it's still fine. You mm. still, even though the, the potatoes will have budded at this stage, there'll be strong buds on them now. Um, so, yeah, fine to plant them out. Soil conditions are perfect at the moment and even if we get a little bit of frost at night time that won't affect them. So, certainly get them in. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back you can plant potatoes until the ash comes into full leaf. Right, we're not there full, yet. And we're well off that at the right. moment. There's another four weeks yet, so it's still plenty of time to plant potatoes. Generally up to the end of June, or in the end of May, is you can certainly plant the early, second earlies and, and main crop varieties. And the veg plants, fine, they can be planted out of doors, no problem at all. There's a wide range of vegetable plants available. Where can one get a polygala sweet pea bush? Polygala, that's the perennial sweet pea shrub. It actually forms a shrub. It's got gr- glossy green leaves and sweet pea-like flowers. Now, they're, they're, if you put sweet pea and it side by side, mm-hmm. there is a big difference. So it, it's, it's sweet pea-like, I suppose, the so best the way. So the flowers aren't as delicate as uh, no, the regular sweet they're peas, not, uh, yeah, And you don't get the scent and they're not as large as like, if you want a really good cut flower then grow the traditional sweet pea or grow the perennial sweet pea plant uh, which comes back year after year pink pearl or pink um, white pearl but this particular polygala is more a shrub it produces um, sweet pea like flowers during the summer and autumn period so it's got nice glossy green foliage so you grow it as a shrub really it comes available generally in around the middle of june early july just before it comes into flower so look for it then um so that's polygala the sweet pea shrub is the the correct name for it 
Do you need to have compost in the basket if you're going to the demo today? No, 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 you don't. No, just bring the empty basket. I can provide the compost. I'll provide the compost right. and the plants and I'll put them up. Now, remember, I'm only going to pick one or two from the yeah, audience, yeah, yeah. so I don't want anybody <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to pick the person, but anyway, right. we'll, we'll figure that out on the day. Maybe the most unusual basket that turns up. Oh, no. But, <laughs> But uh, you're up, you're up no, I'll, su- there. I'll supply the compost and the feed and, and okay. everything that's required to do it. It's really just to show people how to how to plant them up, more plants to use. So that's at one o'clock and three okay. o'clock. So I'll be doing two gigs uh, in our centre in Turlock and the team in Sligo and in Galway will also yeah. be planting up containers. Somebody was just actually wondering as well there uh, about the, the, the store in Galway location-wise. We're located right between Ordenmore and Clear Galway on the main road. You'll see the big purple sign. Okay, lovely, yeah, lovely, yeah, lovely. Can't miss it. Okay. <laughs> Now we've lots and lots and lots and lots of baby new rabbits so eating right, my okay. lavender and roses. This How do we stop them and are there rabbit proof plants. <laughs> okay. Good well, question. remember that young rabbits are going to try, they're going to have a munch on, on so many different plants anyway, just to test them out. Um, you can use a product called grazers, which um, at this time of year, if you've got, say, lavender or roses or, or young shrubs, fruit plants, or even vegetable plants, you can put that treatment on um, at this time of year. So it's called grazers. It's actually made from calcium. It's a liquid. You mix it simply in a watering can or sprayer and you put it on the, the plants you want to protect. Mm-hmm. And the taste of the calcium on the foliage is disliked by rabbits, deer, deer, hares, pigeons won't actually go near the the, the plants that are treated. Um, I was in a garden actually last year where where somebody had treated some lavender plants they had with the grazers and left others untreated and it was amazing the difference. Really? Oh yeah. It so was a good experiment. Absolutely. It was a great you know, way of a, testing a level it. Of, yeah, yeah. How effective it is. So you'll find the grazers very effective in, in controlling um, certainly the, the rabbits. Now there are plants um, you know you could use things things like uh, Nepeta which is the cat mint. They dislike the taste of that. So yeah. that's certainly one. Bodleia, the butterfly bush, is another really good, um, easy-to-grow shrub that, that rabbits won't eat and, and dislike. Lupins, funny enough, the taste of lupins, would they leave those alone? Um, peony roses, they tend to leave. Sedum. Um, so there are a range of plants that they tend. Daffodils, they tend to leave alone because, again, they dislike the, the, the taste, taste to it. Berberus. Um, Hippophae, if you're in seaside areas, Lavateria, the mallow plant, they dislike that as well. So there are a range okay. of plants that you can grow. There's quite a bit there, Now, really. that's not to say young rabbits won't nibble a piece of, of the plant, but in general, rabbits won't feed off those, that list of they plants I mentioned. Them. No, they won't. But you will find the grazers very, very effective. And particularly at this time of year when there's lots of young rabbits in the, and hares in particular. Um, and it's, it's very safe to use. As I said, you can use it on edible plants. So if you put it on your lettuce plants, you can eat them within a day. It's only calcium that's actually the treatment that's is made from calcium, so it's very very safe. Like. You're getting a, a dose of calcium yourself right. by actually, yeah, and it, we we don't taste it. Yes, but the rabbits, but the rabbits and do. hares and um, pigeons in particular dislike the taste to it. So cabbage plants, a great example. If you've got pigeon pigeons attacking your young spring cabbage plants, it's a very effective way rather than having to net them. Now, I have a number of raised beds in the glass house and wanted to plant tomatoes, peppers and other vegetables. What's suitable to grow indoors? Well, all of those, all of those are ideal. If you want, if the raised beds are kind of fairly tall, then the taller varieties of tomatoes may not be as suitable. So for raised beds, I would grow varieties like totem, which is a short Uh tomato. I'll actually be showing a picture of that today as part of my talk. It only grows about two feet high, produces lovely large size um, tomatoes. It's a great variety for growing on windowsills or raised 
raised beds but all the chilies can be grown peppers can be grown aubergines can be grown um they'd be the main ones that i'd grow in the raised bed you can also grow things like lettuce and uh, you know any of the salad crops rocket or uh, any of those kind of um, chinese leaves any of those kind of short stemmed uh, salad crops or fruiting crops um, tumbler tomatoes would be another yes. good one um, or red profusion is another short dwarf tomato variety so they're all available at the moment go for the less vigorous more compact varieties but chilies, peppers aubergines all of those can be fine, grown perfectly well Lovely. Just one or two more. Strawberries, maybe. Strawberries, yeah. absolutely. Um, systemic feed. What would you suggest a systemic feed to use on busy lizzies and houseplants? Okay, well, you can use a, a very simple one to use is one called the Osmo Universal Liquid Feed. It's a s- systemic Systemic, systemic liquid, <laughs> liquid yeah. feed. Yeah. Very good for all flowering plants or fruiting plants. So it's one that you could typically use. I mean, a bottle, I think from memory, makes up 200 litres of... Uh, treatment of, of feed so I mean a bottle will last you the season but it'd be super for hanging baskets for window boxes for busy lizzies for indoor plants if you wish it's a universal plant food particularly for flowering and fruiting plants so that can be applied now and generally you're going to be feeding plants about every fortnight from now on Okay, we're going to have to leave it there Porik I'm afraid uh, so, so remember the basket, basket ha- hanging basket weekend um, I'll be doing up baskets and window boxes it's at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock today in the garden centre in Turlock also in Sligo and Galway and look at if bring in a couple of your empty containers and I'll, we'll have a go we'll have a crack planting them up and I will provide the compost you don't need to worry about yeah, the compost yeah, yeah. lovely so, Porik thanks indeed it's a pleasure like a busy uh, day ahead and indeed weekend for that matter that's uh, my lot for this morning do stand by Michael Neary come Coming your way with the very best in country music from 10 until 1 here on Midwest. Uh, news on the way though at 10 o'clock with Angelina Nugent until next Saturday just after 7. A very good morning to you.